Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 135, After Free Will, What Stays the Same? Okay, we're taping on Thursday, August, or no, what, what is this? Yeah, Thursday, August 29th, 2013. 135th episode. We've been doing this for um, over two years, and people are beginning to get it. I, I kind of like look through the YouTube videos pretty much re- pretty regularly, and it seems like more and more philosophy professors from various um, academic institutions are beginning to like make um, videos on on this. I mean, a lot of times, you know, they're not very well versed in it yet, but I think, you know, with time that'll change. Okay, this show is about like a lot of people, um, they they have very strong, let's emotional, moral reservations or barriers to understanding that free will is impossible because they they feel that if we were to abandon the concept of free will that um, the world would be unmanageable. It would be like anarchy. It would be like, you know, just like we, we couldn't have a sense of morality and just it would be, it would wreak, wreak havoc on, on reality. So like, so with this show, what I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to kind of like, you know, just allay some of those fears, you know, because they, they basically are unfounded, you know, to a great extent and, and we'll go into that, you know, in the show. <clears throat> okay. Now, as I usually do, like, um, before we start, I want to, like, define what we mean when we say we have free will. Um, one, and, and I'll refute, I can, you know, quickly refute free will as I'm doing this, actually. Um, one definition that's popular with a lot of philosophers who are compatibilists, they believe that everything has a cause, but they still believe that we have free will. A lot of times they just change the meaning of the word free will to, to, to reach that. But a lot of times they'll say, we have a free will if we could have chosen otherwise. If, like, if, you know, any decision we make, like if we, let's say, decide between eating an apple and an orange, okay, and let's say we decide on the orange, right? They say, well, we could have decided on the apple. And... So they, you know, according to that definition, they say, well, that gives us free will. What they fail to understand is that, like, we could have chosen the apple, but it would have been a different universe. It would have been a different set of circumstances. We would have been feeling differently, more so than that. Um, let's say we did select the apple instead of the orange. There would have been a, a cause for that um, choice. In other words, like, the basic refutation to free will is that everything has a cause. Okay, just before I go on with that, some people might say, well, in quantum mechanics, they say that not everything has a cause. Some people say that. But it's, it's actually not accurate to, to, um, to interpret reality in that way. But even if we did, even if we like, you know, let's for the benefit, of, given the benefit of the doubt, um, even if we considered that some things don't have causes, apply this to the free will question. If our f- decisions don't have a cause, they cannot be ascribed to a free will. They can't be ascribed to anything, because again, if you're going to say that something doesn't have a cause, human beings can't be causing them. Okay, so like, so the reason I say this, so like, so basically, the the argument you know, against determinism, causality, doesn't work either. There's a few other ways, like sometimes philosophers might say, well, 
these these decisions are the cause of themselves. You know, they just cause themselves. But like again, you know, if these decisions are causing themselves, we're not causing them. You know, it, it's just like, you know, our will certainly isn't causing them. They're causing themselves. So anyway, that's um, so like to to answer to get back to this like could have chosen otherwise definition of free will. If we had chosen the apple, there would have been a cause to that choice. And then there would have been a cause to that cause, because remember, everything has a cause. Everything must have a cause. So, like, the choice of the apple has a cause, and the cause of choosing the apple has a cause, okay? And the cause of that cause has a cause. And what you have to understand about causality is it goes back in time. You can never have a cause following an effect. Sometimes people um, assert something known as retro-causality, but that's really just a semantic difference. In other words, like, you know, if you, if you want to call an effect, you know, um, something that, 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 that makes a cause happen, you're just changing the words. You know, again, the, 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 the effect in that case would come before the cause and simply it would, it would you know, it's, it's simply um, a misnomer. You know, it would, in, in effect, if it's coming before the, the event that, that, it, that it causes to happen, whatever, it must be a cause. All right. So, all right, more, more basically than this, like, could have chosen otherwise definition. Basically, the, the definition is that um, I, can, I can define it in terms of what we're not, okay, uh, um, or what we are. So if we don't have free will, we're puppets, we're robots, we're people puppets. you know, absolutely nothing is is um, dependent on us. Like, we're not actually des- deciding anything. We're not choosing anything. No- nothing is up to us. Okay, that's the argument, okay? Um, free will would mean that, like, if we had a free will, we would be able to choose whatever we wanted independent of this causality, independent of, like, for example, our genetics that, uh, that have been determined through, like, decades of research in psychology and neuroscience to basically mold who we are. At least 50% of our, popu- of, of our personality is genetic, okay? And like to have a free will, we would have to be making decisions completely free or even partially free, but that's, that's impossible, of our upbringing, our heredity, our environment, how we were raised, who raised us, how, you know, what schools we went to, what we learned, what we didn't learn. Obviously, all of our decisions, all that we do is based on all this data that's stored in our unconscious, okay? Uh, so, like, all right, so that's the definition. You know, that basically, if we had a free will, we could have, you know, chosen otherwise, and if we had a free will, we could basically override or circumvent these kinds of factors that are not in our control that, in a certain sense, take part in our decisions or, in a, in a more strong sense, we could say, actually determine the decisions for us. Like, this process of causality means that, like, the Big Bang through this causal process, moment by moment, step by step, as the evolution of the universe progresses, results in whatever we choose and and decide and do at the present moment. All right. So, like, now why is this important? This is important because, like, our world is completely deluded about this. I mean, we were completely deluded. Years ago, we thought that, like, um, that the world was flat, okay? You know, and, and, and like, I mean, come on, you know, 
it makes a lot of sense to think the world is flat. You know, like if we didn't have our advanced geometry where we, you know, measure certain things, you know, with astronomy and we, if we didn't go out there and like, you know, see like from, from spaceships and all that, that we're in orb actually. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to, um, to, to think that the world is flat, right? But okay, so like this has happened before. Um, we've been completely deluded, you know, thinking the world is flat. And now we understand it's an orb, but that doesn't really like change our everyday, you know, functions. If we if we want to go to the moon and back and land at a certain place on the Earth when we return in a certain ocean or something, then yeah, I think it's a good idea to understand that the world is an orb, you know, and it's rotating. Um, another kind of like a vast, and that's an illusion. Okay, I'm going to explain the difference between illusion and delusion. Um, all right, I, I should do this now. An illusion is like let's let's say. Um, you know, there's these, these two lines, this, this um, diagram with two lines, and the top line has arrows facing inward, okay? And the bottom line has, at, at the end of the lines, arrows are facing outward, okay? What happens is you look at these two lines, and it seems like the, the top line where the arrows are facing um, inward seems longer than the, the bottom line, okay? This is a very popular illusion. It's, it's based, you know, it's, it's in psychology books. You know, it's just like an illusion of perception. Okay, but, so that's an illusion. Now, if you measure, if you measure those both lines with a ruler and you still assert that the top line is longer, that's when the delu- illusion becomes a delusion, okay? And that's, that's the case in this, this free will thing. In other words, like, there's so much evidence, all evidence, basically points to the fact that free will is impossible, yet our entire world is completely deluded in not being able to accept that, that uh, evidence. Again, like, the, um, this isn't the first illusion that we've had, the first delusion. I mean, another illusion is, for example, and again, it's very understandable. It would seem, you know, very logical to conclude that everything is motionless, like nothing is moving, right? I mean, you know, this room isn't moving, you know, that things are still. I mean, there's wind and stuff, but that's a, that's a different matter. But the idea is, like, the reality is we're, we're, we're revolving around the sun at about 60,000 miles per hour, okay? So that's like, so we're zooming around the sun. We don't feel it, okay? So, like, again, like, but the thing is, like, some illusions, like a flat earth, like a, a motionless earth, we get them right, but it doesn't really change much in our everyday life. The, the free will illusion, um, if we, to the extent when we overcome it, because it's a matter of time, and when, when, you, when you put a truth out there in the universe, like this truth has been put out there over the last several years, last several decades more so, or, or centuries when it began, uh, it's just a matter of time when the world comes to accept it. And it's, it's the difference between, like, between all the blame and guilt and arrogance and envy that are a direct result, and un, un inevitable in, in a lot of cases result of the free will illusion and our collectively just basically forming a new consciousness, just basically like, you know, perceiving our role in the world more accurately and building a better world as a result. Okay, so it's extremely important. One last thing, there's a philosopher, I like to say this, um, I, I, I should repeat this every, every episode because it'll give you an example of how, how big this thing, this change is. Um, there's a philosopher whose name is John Searle. He's like the 13th most post-1900. Um, he was born after 1900. 
uh, philosopher in the world. Okay, they did this survey in 2010. He was ranked number 13 in terms of how many times he'd been cited, his work had been cited by other philosophers. Okay, so like for a book that Susan Blackmore published in 2005 called Conversations on Consciousness, she asked John Searle, she asked, you know, um, Searle, like, if, you know, if the world were to come to acknowledge that free will was an illusion, what would that mean? And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, it's almost a direct quote, that would be a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Darwin or Newton or Galileo. It would alter our whole relation of our, our whole concept of our relation with the universe, something like that. And he's right. You know, it would change everything. It would be the biggest revolution in science. That's how big it is. This is all right, and that's how that's that's you know why this is so important. All right, um, I'm going to get to you know the, the topic, but I I want to like go through. Or, I, I explained why causality makes free will impossible. I'm going to briefly because like I've, I've spent so much time on this already. I'm going to briefly go through an explanation of why the unconscious makes free will impossible. Okay. Follow this. If, if you don't follow, if you don't get this, don't blame yourself because, like, we, what we understand and don't understand isn't up to us anyhow. So, like, and, you know, how, as well as I can explain it, whatever, that's not up to me. So maybe I could explain it better. So the idea is, like, you make a choice, okay? No, first, start with consciousness, okay? Like, to have a free will means to have a conscious will. In other words, like, if, the, if our will is unconscious, it can't be free because, like, what we mean by free will is we're consciously, we are consciously deciding, okay? If, if we're doing things unconsciously, I think everyone would agree that's not a free will. So consider this. Our consciousness is a tool of awareness. It's, it, it, it's aware of things, okay? To be conscious is to be aware. It doesn't decide things. Now, add that fact to the fact that all of our data, you know, our memories, whenever we make a decision, like um, between apples and oranges or whatever, there has to be data. You know, what does an apple taste like? What does an orange taste like? Have we had them before? Have we not? You know, what are we in the mood for? All this stuff. And so all this data, it's not stored in our conscious mind because consciousness, again, by definition, is awareness. It's not a data storage mechanism. So it has to be stored in the unconscious. Now reason this out. If all this data is stored in the unconscious, and by definition the unconscious is called the unconscious because it's not accessible to the conscious mind, in other words, the conscious mind can't access you know, the, the, the data. That's again why, why it's called the unconscious. That means that the decision-making process has to be at the level of the unconscious, you know, because the unconscious is the only part of our mind that has access to the data in the unconscious. Another, another way of understanding is this is that it's not just the data that's in the unconscious, but if the data's in the unconscious, the principles and the process by which we decide, the processes, has to also be at the level of the unconscious. So what happens? Basically, we make a decision unconsciously. We become conscious of it. We become aware of it. And for some reason, we've been fated to believe, and this is actually the unconscious doing this, the unconscious you know, somehow believes that, it, that the conscious mind has um, made this decision. In other words, like the unconscious mind makes a decision, chooses the, the orange rather than the, the apple, and then makes us 
then, then believes whatever that, that the conscious mind has made that decision. All right. So anyway, so, so that's another way that doesn't rely on causality to explain why free will is completely, completely impossible. All right. So let's get to this, the, the topic. We've got about 11 minutes left. Um, so the fear, you know, a lot of people are afraid that if, you know, if the world comes to really like accept this, understand this, integrate this into our, our religious systems, political systems, educational systems, socioeconomic systems, that that's going to like result in like anarchy, you know, a world without, you know, morals and all. Um, that it will be like there will be no personal morality. In other words, like we can't hold people accountable. People will say like, well, I can do whatever I want and you can't blame me because I don't have a free will. Because that's the thing, you know, like if you don't have a free will, if we don't have free will, we're not fundamentally responsible. That's the key thing. You know, if we don't have a free will, you might want to blame the universe. You want, might want to blame God, but you can't blame us or credit us for anything because we're just like puppets, right? We're just you know, manifesting the will of the universe. So, you know, a lot of people are afraid, well, you know, if the world comes to understand this, to accept this, you know, to, to implement, you know, its implications, you know, into our, our, our institutions, our way of life, you know, we're just like, it's not going to work. So, so why, what is going to stay the same when this happens? And again, like, I, we, can't, we can't know for sure when this is going to happen. I think with the internet, instead of it happening like, Evolution, I don't know how many years or decades it took for evolution to go from a theory that Darwin devised to being pretty much accepted popularly. I mean, even now, like 50% of people in the United States don't accept evolution. They, they prefer to believe that, that man was made from dirt and the woman, first woman was pulled out of the rib of the first man. I mean, this is, you know, this is true. 50% of Americans actually believe this. But, but science you know, basically accepts evolution. So like... So, you know, with the internet, with, with our, 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 you know, basically instantaneous sharing of information often, you know, through the internet to the entire world, it may not take the, the, the years or decades that it took for evolution to be, be accepted, you know, scientifically or, or generally, you know, aside from people who rejected because of religious beliefs. Um, so, like, so this show is going to be about, like, <laughs> as we're, like, eight minutes, nine minutes ago, you know, what's going to stay the same in this world, whether it happens five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it's going to happen. I mean, you can't, you know, this kind of knowledge, you can't like put it back in the box, or whatever you can't, you know. So anyway, so what's going to happen? We're still going to need rules. In other words, like there are rules, there are like traffic rules, there are rules of conduct in school, there are rules that you have to abide by where you work. The rules that apply to our social interactions, you know, they're, they're just generally rules that a lot of times are dependent on morals and ethics. A lot of times they're dependent on just pragmatics. You know, there's, it's a rule like that, like, you know, when you, when you work, you get there on time, whatever, or you leave at a certain time, or that you, you know, whatever, you know, rules, all right? The thing is, this isn't going to change any of that. You know, I mean, we're still going to have rules. We're still going to have laws. You know, a lot of people are afraid that, like, well, if everybody understands that, um, that we don't have a free will, people are just going to, like, say, you can't blame me. They're going to do whatever they want. Why don't we have to worry about this happening, that this, you know, like, 
the, the, this knowledge that we don't have free will will encourage or motivate people to just like you know act with reckless abandon. The reason is because like we are hardwired. This is another another reason we don't have free will. We're hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That means collectively as a society, if somebody's doing something that we consider dangerous or harmful or negative to the general population or even to themselves, to other people, we're not going to allow it because, like, you know, we're going to base, you know, fine. What will happen is, like, we'll tell this person, listen, you know, we understand your dilemma. We understand you did what you did, whatever it was, and it wasn't really up to you. You know, it was, it was not up to you in any way. We still have to quote-unquote punish you. We, we still have to kind of like have the act have consequences for two reasons. One, what we learn in, in psychology, uh, what's called operant conditioning, you know, is that like when we offer rewards to people, that gives them an incentive or motivation to do whatever we want them to do. And when we punish people, when we offer a punishment, that crea creates a disincentive, you know, for, for people not to do that. And now, granted, everything is all predetermined, you know, what's going to happen and all, but, but this, is how it, this is how the predetermination works, okay? Like, you know, rewards induce behavior, punishments um, minimize them, or, or, you know. All right, and the, the other reason related to this is that um, it's not just about the reward and punishment of the people, you know, it's about deterrence. In other words, like, if, if we reward positive, you know, lawful behavior, more people will be, you know, lawful and positive in that way. If we have laws to prohibit certain behavior, it'll act as a deterrent to other people doing that behavior. Okay, and again, like, you know, even with, like, if with people who have, like, broken certain laws, um, we can use punishment, you know, like, you know, fines, maybe some, some jail time or whatever, you know, we can use that to rehabilitate them, to recondition them, essentially, but it'll be much more compassionate, okay? In, in our system today, we say they're evil, they're, they're cruel, they're, they're criminals, you know, they're convicts, whatever, and we really, we, we hate them in, in, in some cases, we, we, um, we don't show them respect, we really treat them really, really badly for things that, that were not in their control at all. And so, like, fine, we're going to have to, like, uphold rule of law, you know, certain laws and, and, and regulations and all, but we'll do it in a far more compassionate way. Okay, um, what, what, what stays the same after free will? Um, we're still going to be learning, we're still going to be growing, you know, in other words, like, I've been, like, pre predetermined, determined to know certain things. I know that we don't have a free will. I know how to talk about our not having free will. I know how to, like, lead meetings about our not having free will. Fine, this is part of my learning and growing, okay? You know, it helps me to evolve as a person. There's a lot of things I don't know. I, I, don't, off, I don't know how to, like, say, how to talk sometimes without saying likes, ums, and you knows. I mean, I say them a lot. And it's, it's a curiosity that I say them because, like, I know this, I've known this for a long time. And for some reason, you know, the universe apparently wants me to continue doing it because otherwise, if it didn't want me to, to do it, <laughs> to say these things, it would have stopped me long ago. So that, that is, we still have a lot of ways that we can learn and grow and become better people, even not having free will, even the world understanding no one has free will. Life still has meaning and purpose. Okay, there's, you know, our, our basic meaning and purpose as human beings is to be happy, to be good, to share happiness, to, to create a happier, 
more good world. That, that's really our fundamental meaning. But to the extent that we understand that nobody has a free will, it really isn't our meaning, it's meaning and purpose. It's the meaning and purpose of God, if we want to like talk in terms of, that are theological, or the universe of the Big Bang, if we want to talk in physical terms, in secular terms. So basically, you know, like, and even, even with that, okay, like, if we say, fine, it was like, all the meaning belongs to the Big Bang, that doesn't answer it completely, because then we, we, end our, we end up asking ourselves, well, what happened before the Big Bang? You know, the Big Bang is the beginning of our quote-unquote known universe, but logic tells us that it, you know, didn't just like spring from nothing. You know, that's the kind of principle we hold to be axiomatic, a priori. It's like nothing just comes from nothing, all right? So anyway, so like, what else will, will, will stay the same after our world overcomes free will? Love will stay the, stay the same. People will still fall in love with, with people. And, and that's a great, that's, I mean, like, think about it. If we had a free will, we would say, well, you know, I want to fall in love with this person, so I'm going to will myself to fall in love with this person. People know that that's, that's not the way it works, okay? So, like, so, you know, so basically the universe brings people together, has them fall in love, have them, has them procreate for the universe's purpose, you know, and then it imbues us with a sense of personal purpose for that. But again, it's not ours because we don't have free will. So, again, love will survive. We will love other people. We'll love, you know, things. We'll love concepts. We'll love the world. We'll love groups of people. That, that's not going to change. Okay. Religion for the most part, is going to stay the same because religion is, to a great extent, about trying to motivate us to do good. Now, their big, big mistake is, like, this concept of the free will. They said, well, like, you've got a free will, and, like, if you do bad, you're going to suffer eternally. After you die, you're going to go to a place where, where you're just going to, like, suffer for eons. I mean, like, I mean, like and so they thought, well, if we, we scare the hell out of people like that, then maybe it'll induce them to do good. All right, so fine. Religion is going to have to, it won't be able to, like, threaten people and, and little kids as it does, which is really wrong, you know, with this, this hell punishment. But it still will be a, a source of community for many people. It will still be a source of, of morality. In other words, you know, again, morality is not going to um, evaporate. It's not going to, like, you know, disappear. Um, but we'll just recognize that, like, it, it'll actually give, like, with, with religion, forgiveness is a very important concept. So, like, as we abandon the, the concept of free will, we, were, we, will, we won't have a reason to forgive technically because technically forgiving is, is about something that some, somebody does wrong, something that someone does wrong out of their quote-unquote free will. But if they don't have free will, there isn't anything to forgive. So anyway, so like religion will basically stay the same. And lastly, because I'm running out of time, I have less than a minute, we will still seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's who we are. That's where we're hardwired to always seek pleasure and avoid pain. And that's another reason why we have no free will. In other words, like if all our decisions are based on the prediction that certain actions will overall, you know, within the certain equation, lead to greater pleasure than, than pain, that's how we decide. We can't but decide that way. Sometimes we'll run a marathon because it'll feel so good to have run it. Sometimes we'll do, you know, some sacrifice because, because it'll satisfy our conscience. All right, well, I hope you understand why we don't have a free will and why after we, our world acknowledges that we don't have a, a free will, the world is going to stay basically the same in a lot of ways, but it will change profoundly in a very, very important way. Okay, thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time on Exploring Illusion of Free Will.